Friends, we are live in the Clock Tower Center. I'm here with Pete and Catherine. And we're having a good time, aren't we, guys? Good to be here. Yeah, rocking along. So good. Well, today we are looking at the next paradigm or worldview for our series. We're looking at fear and power. And we wanted to start off by asking the question, when have you been most afraid? Tell us, Pete. Mm. Uh, well, it's, 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 it's a memory. Um, I don't remember the exact circumstances, but I just remember being with my friends out the back of a friend's place, and he was next to a train line. Mm. And I don't know why, but stuck in my memory ever since that, we were walking down this train line as like kids, like 10 years old or whatever. Mm. And I just remember, maybe I think maybe my friends went off and I was by myself, and I just this overpowering fear came over me. I was just scared, like kind of horrors, horror movie scared. Yeah. For no reason, like there was nothing there. There's no even a train or anything. Mm. But I just remember this intense feeling, and you know, it, it went as soon as I went back to my friends. But yeah, it stuck with me for over 20 years. Just this one moment of being really powerless, and, mm. and like there's something bigger than me that was scary yeah mm. that was my I feel like abandoned train lines are a good scene <laughs> yeah. for horror movies so, yeah. <laughs> might have played into it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think my memory of being most scared I was in my early 20s in a <clears throat> share house situation and it was a really huge house uh, and I happened to be the only one home that night uh, and I was upstairs and because it was such a big house and I slept upstairs, I sort of made sure everything was locked up downstairs. All the doors were bolted, all the windows were shut, right around. So I did that, went to bed. I was falling asleep and I heard this massive bang downstairs. And I was just literally, and I don't use that word like my son does, I was literally <laughs> paralysed with fear. I could not move my body for, I would say, a good 90 seconds. And then I slowly sort of was able to, to move and didn't hear any more noises. So I slowly got up, got my phone and probably found some big thing and went downstairs, crept around the house looking for whatever, found that I had missed one window and there had been a big gust of wind and it had those wooden uh, slatted blinds and it had smacked. And, you know, it was nothing. There was no one there. <laughs> but I was paralysed with fear. Mm. What about you, John? Mine's a bit different to yours. Um, probably one of the most frightening moments in my life was in Sunshine Hospital, in the delivery room, when we were having our first child. And never in my entire life have I felt so powerless. I remember there being a particular moment where, uh, bless you, my wife was writhing in pain <laughs> on the floor, and I looked over to the midwife and um, said, could you do something to help her out? I feel like she's going to die. And the midwife was just sitting at the desk taking notes and she said, oh, you're doing good. You'll be fine. <laughs> she said, "Not you're very close, not long to go. Mm. And I um, looked over at her and whispered, really? <laughs> she shook her head. <laughs> oh. Never have I been oh. so afraid wow. in my life. Mm. Oh. Mm. But there are times in life where you feel powerless and mm. you don't know what to do. Mm. And that's life. But today we're talking about fear and the place that that has in our lives as well as power and, and that being a way in which we can see and understand our world. But Pete, you've been doing some thinking on this. Why don't you tell us about the biblical story of how we see it playing out? Yeah, thanks, John. Um, yeah, so as we've seen with the other paradigms we've looked at through this uh, 
section on redemption, um, they all play out from the very first pages, first verses of the Bible all the way through, right? So, um, you know, right from the beginning, we see power at play. Um, God, with a word of his power, <laughs> uh, creates all things. Um, he just says, in the, you know, there was, let there be light. And there's light. Mm. It's incredibly, it's a moment of immense, infinite, unimaginable power. But he uses that power um, not just kind of coldly or callously. He says he uses it for good, right? Because then he says over this creation that he's made, this is good. This is very good. Um, and then as the story progresses, we see that humanity created through that power then has a special place um, to have dominion over creation, right? So as his image bearers, uh, men and women who reflect who he is, he imparts to them power to, to be used for the good of creation, to tend it, to nurture it, mm. to help it to flourish. Um, so from the very beginning, human beings are powerful creatures, immensely powerful, right? Um, when we come to the fall, uh, it's really interesting. The first sin, so Adam and Eve, you know, eating the apple, and doesn't, doesn't seem to have much to do with power. I mean, you could maybe argue that they use their autonomy, um, which is a, a, you know, a powerful thing, to, for their own good, and that's probably true. But it doesn't really have that dynamic very much. There's nothing massively, seemingly that kind of um, uh, uh, a, a play of strength or anything like that, right? But then. Almost immediately, at least when we read the Bible, um, abuse of power comes into the fore, right? So Cain mm. kills his brother. Mm. In this, um, the older brother kills the younger brother um, with brute force, right? Abuse of power. Then just a few uh, chapters later, we meet this guy Lamech, who's this ancient king who brags about how he's murdered the people, right? Um, and is like, yeah, super full of himself and so um, enmeshed in his own, um, his power and his ability to use it to cause pain. Uh, and then as the Bible continues, we see this dynamic actually just build and build and build and build um, with the use of power and yeah, there's all sorts of things happen in the Old Testament which uh, demonstrate that. Um, so we see that power starts off as being good but it soon becomes corrupt and self-serving and oppressive and destructive um, and we, we know that sin by itself within people is enough to motivate and cause this to happen but alongside in the biblical story we also see that there's spiritual evil at work behind the scenes um, uh, helping it along, giving it a bit of a prod in humanity, right? So you see that mm -hmm. Satan in the garden um, is kind of pushes them to, to use their power for their own gain. Uh, all the way through to like Satan um, possessing Judas and, uh, and causing him to use his power as a trusted friend, advisor to betray mm -hmm. Jesus to the cross, right? So we see that there's sin within people. There's also evil outside of people working together to try and um, uh, cause the abuse of power to be widespread. Mm. And of course, where there's power and the abuse of power, there's fear. Mm. So these two things, this dynamic um, is all the way through the scriptures and, and we see this in our world very clearly. Uh, I think when we look at 
the state of humanity under the fallenness of sin. You know, we see people as both victims and agents of power um, and fear. So as agents, you know, people use their power, and that might be physical or emotional, psychological, power of privilege, uh, to pull themselves up and push others down. Um, and this also happens indirectly, right? Because even people who might not use direct power that abusively um, might have this kind of fear of losing out or being crushed by others. And so we um, throw in our lot with the powerful people who we think will work on our behalf, right? And they might use it to push people down. So um, we're part of systemic systems of, of power and fear that, mm. yeah, it's really hard to identify entirely and even ex and particularly extricate ourselves from. Mm. Um, and of course, but we're also like victims of power, sinful power, like uh, people find themselves in situations where their agency is taken away from them. Mm. Might be something very minor, like losing your baggage <laughs> at, um, on a trip in an airplane and this this sense of, uh, lost agency, I, I can't get my bag, I have nothing I can do about it, mm. I wait, right? Uh, all the way through to really serious things, um, even like um, enslavement, um, the, the uh, um, sex slavery and mm. um, child labour, like real, really, really, really horrific um, uh, moments of oppression. So um, we're, we're agents and we're victims. Um, and we probably like to identify ourselves as one or the other. Well, probably more victims than agents, but we're both, and we can't. Um, yeah, we see. I, I've seen this really a great analogy. I think is in the movie Django Unchained, mm. where um, uh, in this uh, 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 American um, uh, like plantation, which is full of slavery, you have this Leonardo DiCaprio's white guys. The the, the master, mm. and then you have slaves, right? But there's two types of slaves. There's slaves like Broomhilda, Django's wife, who's obviously enslaved and obviously the victim of power. Uh, she's a woman, um, she's been abused, she's very, very clearly a victim. Um, but then there's Stephen, who's like the, the household manager, who's also a slave, mm. but doesn't see himself as one. In fact, he uses his power to abuse the other slaves. Mm -hmm. Doesn't see himself as one, but is very clearly under the thumb. Oh, so uh, that's a really good analogy, I think, for how we find that um, that both those things are at work and often in the, in the same person at the mm -hmm. same time. So that's through fall, and I've talked a lot about that. Um, as we come through to redemption, Christ just breaks his paradigm. He really mm -hmm. disrupts it because at once Christ comes showing immense strength and power, uses his power to, um, to resist the temptations of Satan um, in, in the wilderness, you might remember, uh, and uh, Satan tempts him to use his power for selfish gain, but he refuses. Uh, but then he also like, performs miracles and shows power over nature, over the human body, over decay and death. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's clearly a, a person of immense power. Um, but then he also displays real weakness. He gets hungry and tired and overworked and run down. Um, and ultimately, you know, he is betrayed by the power of Judas, like the, one of those closest to him, um, becomes a victim, uh, betrayed and goes to the cross, dies in a way which is the 
the absolute epitome of weakness. Oh, there's nothing noble about his death. Mm. <laughs> he was, mm. It's just pure weakness. Um, and so Jesus is both immensely powerful and immensely weak. He uses his power for the sake of others, um, but also is able to triumph over weakness, right? Because then he rises from the dead. Uh, so uh, I love in Colossians 2, um, Paul talks about how Jesus kind of unmasks and triumphs over the powers mm. of evil. Um, because he simply takes away uh, the fear of death, because death is not the end, um, and pride and power, because worldly power is shown is actually not the way um, to, to, to serve God or be a full human or uh, bring, bring goodness into the world, mm. right? Mm. So um, that Jesus breaks this paradigm where uh, selfish power is shown as not the way, mm. and it doesn't bring good to anybody, even the person who uses it, um, and at the same time shows a new way that the self-giving is the is the way to bring ultimate flourishing and self-taking. Uh, he also um, the Bible has all sorts of imagery about um, you know redemption is talk talks about uh, as a word um, about the uh, the um, the redemption of someone in slavery, right? So Jesus pays the slave price in the, on the cross. He pays the debt, so to speak. Mm. He redeems those who are enslaved to evil powers, both as victims and agents, and um, and and brings them into uh, a place of freedom mm. as mm. his uh, as God's children, um, as God's servants. So the going back to the beginning of creation, like the, this. Uh, being an image bearer is redeemed and restored. Now people, in the power of the Spirit, um, uh, with what is true about them and Jesus being known to them, that they are free and freed from sin, they can live uh, in the way that humans should live, mm. um, utilizing the power imparted from God for good um, and uh, not being, uh, uh, no longer being, uh, being free from being crushed by the evil powers of the world as well because God provides a way out, uh, an escape. Um, so I think that's just a brief uh, walk through, I guess, of the scriptures. Um, and yeah, it's, it's worth noting as well that there's uh, a new heaven and new earth to come where all those powers, uh, evil powers done for good. Mm. Uh, how do we see this in our world? Like, there were probably lots of things that jumping to mind. Um, but I think it, the first thing I want to say is that um, the, the primary way that Western people particularly tend to see the world is, the Charles Taylor, the philosopher, called it the imminent frame. It basically means that what we see and taste and touch is all there is. There's mm. no spiritual, there's no supernatural, this is just what it is. Mm. Um, and if that's your worldview, then... Uh, then survival of the fittest, that kind of Darwin evolutionary idea, makes sense, right? Because this is all there is, so make the best of this life. Get as much out of it as you can. Um, it makes sense to use your power as best as you can to make the best for yourself. Yeah. But, you know, in the Western world, we've seen that we don't, that, don't like that. That causes a lot of pain. Something within us really bucks against that. And so what do we do? We look for other ways to counter that, but that don't necessarily involve God or a supernatural or spiritual reality. 
Uh, what are some of those other ways that we look for? Mm. Well, I think um, <clears throat> we see uh, if if it is only what we see in front of us, if it is if we are living in this imminent frame, then those things most to be feared are other people, really, uh, other than the world, you know, and tornadoes and things like that. Um, <laughs> Uh, and viruses, we certainly fear those as well. But I think other people, and um, you see that a lot in um, conversations and the general uh, culture at the moment where we have this view that power is the ultimate evil, really. Um, people in positions of power can never be trusted. You can never uh, submit to them without being absolutely, you know, knowing everything about them. Um, and conversely, anybody who doesn't have power is inherently honourable. Um, so it is power that we use to determine people's righteousness, worthiness. Um, yeah, it seems to be a big thing in our world at the moment. Mm. John, mm. you got thoughts? Yeah, I think if I can shine in a bit of more of a positive spin on what you know, Katz had to say, I think there is some good there that's that's coming out of movements like the Me Too movement, mm. etc., in our world, where powers that have gone unchecked mm. are now being held to account, and there's the expectation of greater accountability um, for those in positions of power. So I think that's a good thing that we can see happening. Mm. But uh, the distrust of all power that I think is simmering there beneath the surface is something that absolutely marks um, our cultural moment at this point in time, mm -hmm. for sure. I think it's also going back to where you began with creation, Pete. It's, it's an interesting thought that actually the Bible's account of creation is very different to all other ancient Near Eastern accounts, mm -hmm. um, their creation myths, that where creation was birthed out of essentially power struggles, conflicts between the gods. And actually the Bible's claim is that there is one God who is all-powerful, who is also good, um, and created everything good in his power and will someday restore it in, into that reality once again. You know? And so there are people you know, from Eastern cultures or from other cultures who might not see uh, the world through you know, the, the cultural lens that many of us in the West do, but you know, more and more our community is becoming more and more diverse and people are seeing the world or people do see the world through that lens as well. And so I think the gospel also gives hope and gives redemption to people from you know, all cultures and all worldviews as it pertains to power and fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really good. And um, I think it's, it's really interesting from a personal point of view, I think, that um, we're invited, I think, to be really self-reflective on one, how much power a human being wields, and not just overt physical power, but subtle power. So um, the ability to, uh, uh, through just what you say, your sheer force of personality, um, through what you can, what, what a, um, uh, a complaint or a, uh, or, uh, a protest can do like where where people of immense power, 
Um, our words are powerful. God's word is powerful, and as his image bearers, our words are as well, right? So we're people of power, and I think that's a good place to start as a kind of a self-reflection that um, when none of us are pure victims. We, we exert power, and we've got the opportunity to use it for God's purposes or yeah. our purposes. So that's a good place to start. And But also that, um, so that whether you are directly using power or indirectly using power where we're agents we're part of that and so that's you know, a point of self-reflection i think um, but also victims like we we struggle like we're we all feel in uh in relation to the world to the to the universe like just specks um lost in like you know like um survivors on a life raft in a choppy sea like well, i think we've got this sense that we are yeah really really powerless in a real way as well it's a paradox but it's it's a good paradox to to come to grips with i think because it gives us the opportunity to go an imminent frame um just you know purely what we see is what we get is a pretty horrible reality mm. yeah <laughs> because we're either yeah we're, we're just kind of lost either way <laughs> and it invites us to go to the scriptures and go what a better story mm. what a better story mm. a god who gives up his power for the sake of others a, mm. a god who uses power for the sake of others um, and a purpose in this world too um, not to just get uh, um, uh, lost in the complicated nature of life but to go well if if, if jesus has really come and done these things and been raised from the dead then what an opportunity mm. I guess that's a good place to go what are the opportunities do you guys see as mm. God's people mm. as a church as individuals mm. to kind of live into this story mm. um, what would that look like well I, I think when we uh, rightly fear as in you know like the sense of awe uh, when we rightly fear the God of the universe uh, and when we trust in his good, perfect, always just power, uh, and as demonstrated in Jesus, it gives us a huge amount of freedom. Um, we are free from the fears of, well, mm. in, our, in our, like obviously we're, f we, for us in Western culture, we feel free from the powers of capricious gods. Mm. But we also are free from the fear of public scrutiny and uh, public opinion that might cancel us. Uh, and we are also free to give up our power for the good of other people, to mm. love them, because we know um, we know that the person who should have, have the power has the power and we can trust him mm. to wield it rightly. Um, I know in my own life, uh, I, you know, like I have power in my family in some senses over my children and I don't feel like I wield it rightly all the time. It's mm. a really scary thing, um, but I know we mm. can trust God to do it. So, yeah, so I feel like as Christians, mm. knowing um, that God is in power gives us the freedom mm. to, um, to not fear the wrong things and not wrongly claim power for ourselves. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I think too... Um, when we look at the world, we can often feel powerless to actually enact any sort of change. And understanding the redemption that's ours in Christ, 
I think gives us great power actually to recognize one who God is absolutely and two who he's made us to be in Christ being those restored image bearers we can actually exercise our power for the good and for the flourishing of you know our world and our community uh, you know I think a live example for us at the moment in our community is you know with these community developments that are going on that um, developers and, and government are pushing through and locals aren't feeling as though they have any sort of say or whether or um, could have any sway in, in what actually happens. And so they kind of resign themselves to, oh, well, that's just what it's going to be. Um, but actually having an understanding that, no, God has given us a measure of power to use for the good of others. Um, as Christians, we can, in a sense, die to ourselves, die to our sense of powerlessness and take up that power that we have in Christ and exercise that for the good of others. Uh, I think it's an incredibly uh, liberating and empowering place to be, knowing that, as you said, Kat, ultimately, in Christ, we have nothing to fear. Uh, and that's an incredible place to, to live out of. Uh, yeah, it reminds me of um, like Paul in Ephesians, who's this great prayer mm. for, the, for the church, right? That he says, I pray out of, his, out of you know, God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. Mm through his spirit in your inner being mm. which is a wonderfully comforting thing to to trust in right because it says that actually we're not we don't have to rely on our own inbuilt human power mm. to work out how to live well in this world mm. we don't have to rely on our own strength and and power there is, is almost could be translated like ability as well mm. like you don't have to rely on your own smarts your own status, your own position, uh, your own net of relationships uh, to, to do what is right and good. <laughs> um, you have the spirit, so the yeah. same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living and alive in you if you, if you trust in Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we meditate, reflect on that enough because it means you can kind of go confidently into a complex world full of power dynamics, many of which we're not even aware of, and go, I'm not aware of all this, but God is. He has ultimate powers, you guys have been saying. So I can just wade into it <laughs> mm. um, and do my best, and there's forgiveness for when I fall into sinful ways. Mm. And there's restoration when that happens. Mm. Um, which is, I think... In a world of that really lacks confidence in many in this area, in many 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 ways, yeah. Christians should stand out um, as uniquely confident yeah. uh, to 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 work through this paradigm. Yeah. So, any final thoughts before we finish up? Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's interesting. I don't think we do um, because I suppose we live in this imminent frame. I don't think we do quite grasp the power of the Holy Spirit in us, do we? Because we just think, well, it's only what we see in front of us and we don't live in a way that recognises the evil powers at work in the yeah. world. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I'd say largely, other than perhaps Pentecostal and charismatic people, but largely in our tradition mm -hmm. of uh, the Christian faith, we perhaps don't recognise how... Uh, powerful we are because of the spirit at work in and through us. Mm. Yeah, and, and how powerful the, the powers of evil are and well, yeah, that's supernatural right. powers of evil, right? That's right. Because that's of that right. imminent frame, because of that 
um, uh, scientific world has tried to do away with that, right? Yeah. So we have, we could definitely serve be served to be much more aware mm. yeah. um, about those dynamics. Yeah. 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 I think a practical application that comes to mind is that um, often when I sit with people and pray with people. Um, and even I, I sense this in myself sometimes that we can feel defeated and powerless to, to see any real change in our lives, you know, over besetting sins, um, really damaging and hurtful habits, those sorts of things. But I, I think seeing the, the biblical story laid out this way and understanding, again, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives actually gives us real hope mm-hmm. that we can change and actually that there is a power available to us by the Spirit that can work out Christ's righteousness and his holiness and his goodness in and through our lives. Uh, and that gives us great hope mm. to keep going mm. and, and tangible, real, everyday power to live for Jesus. Uh, and I think, as, as both of you said, I think that's in many ways, particularly in our tradition, untapped. Mm. Uh, and wouldn't it be a wonderful thing for us to see our communities take hold of that power that we have in Jesus and just live for him? Yeah. It would be a wonderful thing. Amen to that. Amen. Thank you, friends. Great to be with you all. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.